Coming to you from Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida. And streaming around the world. Around the world. You're now tuned in to the Sales Samurai Podcast, the only B2B sales podcast providing unfiltered, unapologetic views and tactics directly from the sales trenches. Here's your host, Sam Capra. Welcome to another episode of the Sales Samurai. Thanks for listening. Before we begin, do us a favor, take a moment to subscribe and download. On today's show, I got an amazing guest for you guys and an amazing topic that I think is going to ruffle a few feathers. And I know Evan, uh, who I'm going to introduce here in a minute, has got some very profound thoughts on it. Him and I are going to go back and forth a bit. But cold calling is not dead. Now get this, cold calling is not dead because it's never really even been alive. I mean, that's going to set <laughs> this podcast off. But to help us kind of kick this off, I do have an amazing guest for you guys, Evan Patterson, head of content and community at Trender.ai. Evan, thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Man, either this could be the most downloaded show ever created or no one's ever going to come on my show ever again. We're going to go one way or the other. <laughs> Um, Evan, you uh, you ended my career. Yeah, you ended my, <laughs> you ended my stupendous career as a podcaster. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> but hey, man, tell the audience, I know you're all over LinkedIn. I know I've gotten to know you through some mutual connections, but tell the audience just a little bit about yourself, kind of your background, those type of things. Yeah. So yeah, my name is Evan Patterson. Evan or Ev, either is fine. Outside of work, queer polyamorous man. I have uh, three partners. I live in Chicago, Illinois. I spend way too much time at drag shows and karaoke bars and <laughs> probably stoned or drunk in the middle of Taco Bell Cantina in Wrigleyville. But if you live here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And my background, I guess, when it comes to my career, uh, started off you know, making gaming communities as a little kid for fun and not realize I could make money off of it than I did. I worked as a bartender and as a server for a while in my late teens, early 20s. I worked as an insurance agent while doing some of that. Then I moved into uh, insurance technology, which was kind of like the foot in the door to my career in tech. And all throughout my sales career, which was in insurance and insure tech and in tech, um, I've always leaned very marketing oriented in my approach. And now here I am doing it full time for several different businesses, but primarily for Trender.ai. That's fantastic, man. That was a lot to unpack there, brother. That was a great introduction and a background into yourself. It's almost like I've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I am, because you do have a unique perspective and we are going to be talking about, hey, cold calling. And th there's a lot of, you look at LinkedIn, either you find there's two universes, right? Cold calling does not exist, does not exist. Yeah. It should not exist. It's horrible. And then you find the other in the spectrum, right? Yeah. But you have a unique perspective because of your background. And I've gotten to know you. I've done some research. We've talked offline. You, know, you do have that sales background. You were in the trenches as a sales development. Like You've done a lot of different yeah. things. And now you're on the marketing side. So I think you're probably more equipped, a lot better than myself, to kind of talk about this because you're seeing it from a lot of different angles. But talk to me about like when we say cold calling is not dead because it was never like, let's maybe first define when we say cold calling. Kind of give me some background what your definition of cold calling is. Yeah, and that's it's a tricky one because I know the minute I say this, I'm like, well, <laughs> we don't do that here. And I'm like, well, congratulations. I wasn't talking about you. Right. Then you, this doesn't apply to you. So if you get offended by everything I'm just saying, you can if you find me offensive, stop finding me. <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, right. 
But no, so for me, cold calling at its like at its fundamental core, it's very 1970s, 1980s boiler room kind of a vibe where we talk about like, you know, here's a list of phone numbers, good luck. And and a lot of people that are cold calling in both B2C and B2B, that is the situation. And I don't care if the boss is like, no, we the list is curated with this this job pal and ICP. I'm like, even the yellow pages has some level of curation <laughs> to it. You just did it without any paper. It's the same thing at the end of the day. And you're going in blind. I'm sorry. They're doing some research on social, but like that's still going in blind. It's blind until you've had a conversation with that person before you called them. Sorry, but that's how it works. It's social psychology 101. It's a blind date at the end of the day. So that's what I talk about when I say I'm against cold calling. I am not against using the phone in a sales motion. I am against that being the primary driver and the metric because so many people tell me like, oh my God, I make all these sales of cold calling, all these sales of cold calling. I booked all these means of cold calling. I'm like, oh really? I look at how many things I booked with social selling. I get blocked because I've outperformed them by a couple to 100 to 200% every single time. And it's and, it, and they get they go panic, but it took you so long to get there. And it's like, listen, yes, you can ramp cold calling in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. You can ramp social selling in 90 days, 120 and 180 but you can reach a carrying capacity. My carrying capacity is way higher. I can parallel task. You can't. There are parallel dialers. There are auto dialers. So fine. The ceiling's been lifted a a little bit. But there's a lot more technology supporting and lifting that ceiling for social selling. And cold calling has not and will not be able to catch up. So it's not the most efficient route. And I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I go with what works and what works the best. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, without a doubt. So let me make sure I kind of boil that down. So what you've said is, hey, listen, the definition, and I think you and I are pretty similar from a definition. I 100% agree, and this actually was my early sales career, is handed the yellow pages, which is somewhat curated, you're right. At least it was, it was alphabetical, at least. You got you can sort it, yeah. You got job titles, you got businesses, you got people, you got zip codes. Yeah, yeah. all of it. And so it was just me flipping through and just dialing, and they used to call it dialing for dollars. Yep, they still do that in insurance. They still call it that. <laughs> and it's a very spray and pray mentality, yes. right? It's all about activity, activity, activity. And through activity, the results will come. Mm-hmm. The fundamental issue with that is it's not a very, it was never a very effective use of time. It would take you four hours to get six appointments where if it was much more ICP driven and very focused, analytical, I probably could have got the same six meetings in an hour if I would have been more focused and more diligent on my approach. So that's kind of what we're saying, yeah. right? Okay. What is the kind of the crux? And I, so let me kind of rewind a bit. I do agree with you on that. I do agree that there is still in today's market, regardless of industry segment, there is a tremendous amount of spray and power. There is. Yeah, and there is a time and a place for that too. And there is. There is, without a doubt. Well, I think there's always a, my biggest thing when I talk about cold calling is I think you have a, you got to start with the ICP. You got to know who is your sweet spot. And we could probably go off on a tangent just on ICP. I have a whole TED talk on it. Without a doubt. Because that in itself is a conundrum for a lot of people and really kind of drilling that down. I even find we struggle with that. We try. I don't think we've honed it in. I think that's the very first thing you have to do. And then- Mm -hmm. What are the right channels for you guys to be pursuing those ICPs? Are they active on LinkedIn? Are they active via call? Are they active via email? Yeah. 
Because you know this, Evan, as well as I do. There's some people, if I try to reach them on LinkedIn, like they're just, they have 100 connections. They have no... Ba- yeah, like, don't bother. Don't bother. Right, don't bother. Right? So that could be an ineffective use of your time when it comes to that prospect. Do you agree like effective calling is being strategic regardless of channel on how to get to that person? Is that fair? Yeah, effective cold calling is knowing you're calling a number that will pick up and will appreciate a cold call and gives a shit about what you're about to say. That is effective cold calling. I wouldn't even call that cold calling. I just call that fucking calling. Yeah. You know, because like, how is that any different than like DMing somebody you know prefers a DM over a cold call, prefers to talk about this right. there. You know this person cares about it because they've talked about things that allude to them giving a shit about it, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing I have when it comes to calling. It's um, you're calling someone trying to convince them to start this relationship blind. And it's just like, you've got to have a level of rapport before you start throwing voices and faces into things. Yeah. It needs, if you're going to use voice and face, it needs to be asynchronous, especially since the majority of decision makers right around the corner, like the majority of people working right now are millennials. Right. Soon to be the majority of decision makers are going to be millennials as we continue to age up. The oldest millennials are in their early 40s. Right. I'm on the young end. I'm 27. Z- Gen Z is like one to two years behind me. Right. They're already in their 20s. Right. So millennials are statistically proven to hate unwarranted, unwanted, unsolicited cold calls. So you need to start getting ready for that yesterday. You need to start getting that rapport built. So what do you do instead? You don't get rid of the phone. You call knowing you're going to have to leave a voicemail. You don't call expecting the pickup. You make your metrics, not the number of connections. You make your metrics, the number of voicemails that have been left. You make your metrics, the number of LinkedIn connections or whatever social media platform these people are hanging out on. And you warm up the ability and you get them pretty much begging you to call you at that rate, right? Because eventually millennials, we do want a human being at some point. Point. The keywords are at some point. That point is not at the beginning like it used to be. (laughs) But we were talking about this offline. Do you think the disconnect right now, and I love what you're saying about the millennials because you're right, right? That is the next, I mean, there are, it's hard to believe that, but it's, I used to think of that generation like, hey, they're like four or five years old. Like, it's 1980 to 1995, 1980, you're in your 40s now, you're 42. Right, so I mean, it's in, but you're right. And the way that that group communicates is fundamentally different than, than most groups have communicated, especially my generation, where it was always very asynchronous. You're right. Because for me, it was always just pick up the phone and call me. And then, you know, talking to my daughter who's 24, she's like, she much rather text, she much rather yeah. chat. Like, that's just how they want to communicate. It's very fast, it's very succinct, it's very to the point, mm-hmm. but that's how they do it. And I think, but you told me offline, you're like, there's a fundamental breakdown in sales that's causing this root issue. Yeah. What, what is it, in your opinion, that that's the problem kind of at the foundation of it all? Yeah, there's this big thing where like the CEOs and the CROs and and I work in the startups, so sometimes it's not even those people, it's the VC firms, right, that are spoon feeding this, where they want to know exactly where the dollars are going and coming from so much that they care so much about attribution, which is made up, by the way, in case nobody's ever figured that out. It's always made up. It's so fake. It's as fake as AI. (laughs) It's seriously, there's nothing organic and vegan about it. So they're so obsessed with knowing where every dollar goes, where every dollar comes from, that they've actually have created these silos that make it impossible for a salesperson to go, yes, I totally understand what Evan's saying, but I do not have the ability to do it because I'm not allowed to. I'm not given the opportunity. I don't know how to, even if I wanted to. And if I knew how to, I don't have the resources to do it. 
it's it's just like you can't let salespeople understand what marketing does, and you can't let marketing understand what sales does, and they can't cross paths. But this once a week meeting will suffice. And I'm like, no, because every time those meetings go, oh, these people are going to our website. Great. I you said the same thing the last six marketing and sales sync calls. That's not helpful. Oh well, they're saying they care about these things. Yeah, but okay, fine. I'm changing how I'm talking, but I'm still not able to change the channels that I'm talking in. If I want to use those channels, I have to be on marketing's team. I can't be on sales team. So then that is what creates the disconnect because sales has never quite figured out how to be good at asynchronous communication or building rapport in an asynchronous way. They're really good at doing that in calls, Zoom calls, quick rapid fire exchanges that are happening as we speak. Marketing, marketers are really good at asynchronous rapport building. That's literally the name of the game for marketing, especially in the 21st century. So if you let marketers give salespeople that tool, then they can do more of that because that's what millennials do every day of their lives when it comes to how they live, how they communicate with their parents, with their roommates, with their spouses, with their friends, everyone. So instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, just talk to them where they talk to the person they talk at the grocery store, which is now the way on an app nowadays. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's silo. That's like, listen, I would rather be more blind to where the dollars are going in and coming out and get more revenue if that's the trade-off, if I can't have strong attribution and strong revenue, I'll take strong revenue. Right. So what are those? We were talking about asynchronicity. We're talking about these different ways of, for lack of better terminology, skinning the cat. It's a different mindset. Like, what are those? Like, what is the disconnect between so? Like, what are the methods? Hey, I'm going to give an example. I don't even know if this is one. Hey, we should be leaning more heavily on text messaging within our tech stack because that is the way people want to communicate, at least the younger demographic. Yeah. Like, give us some examples of, hey, innovative sales organizations, people that are starting to understand this. This is how they're starting to adopt these new type of asynchronous communication, if you will. Yeah, there's a lot of companies that are leaning on product-led growth or community-led growth or a mixture of the two are going to be really good examples of this. Okay. The thing is, they haven't been around very long, so you can't like. So you're, they're still like it's so early stages for the stats. Trender, where I work, is one of them. We do we refuse to have a sales team. Like we're not going to have one. Like it's it's not on our roadmap. You know, we we're going to lead with the product, with product marketing, and with with freemium or free trials. We're going to lead with being able to touch and feel things and being hyper targeted with our ads and with our community strategies, organic strategies, partnership channels, referral right. programs, affiliate programs, and Here's where the sales part comes in. Right. It's somebody that goes, hey, I have a level of interest. They are expressing interest because all that money we could have spent on Alpine sales, you're now spending on magnetizing people to come to the company. Right. You know, come to the product. Right. That's a lot of money that's not been used over there now. So let's use it in marketing. And now we have a team of like product specialists. This is like where an SDR normally would exist. It is so, instead of a SDR, it is somebody who understands the product the same way an AE would, right? But this person is qualified themselves, whether it's through the trial, through a tour, through the ads. Maybe it's somebody who is like, I've worked in social media marketing for 10, 15 years. So when I saw one out of Trender, I already knew what was going on. I just have a couple questions about maybe the price or the integration or how to set it up. Maybe something like right. 
very minimal that only a human can really help me out with. I can't get that from an FAQ, right? Right. That's where the sales piece comes in. So I still want to hire some of that sales mindset because they're going to be speedy, right? They're going to be right. quick. They're able to build rapport very quickly. That's where salespeople do succeed in. But they're leaning more on the, let me help you instead of let me sell you more, which I know sales has been preaching that for years. But you cannot prospect and say I'm trying to help you at the same time. It's not possible. It's water and oil. No, it's not a thing. Because they. you may say you're trying to help me in a cold call, but I know you're cold calling me at the end of the day. You're calling me an idiot if you think I can't figure out that you're prospecting right now. And if you're prospecting, you are inherently selling. And that's how millennials think. I want to be where I am make, I'm spoon feeding sales or sales. All of these people that are raising their hand. Right. Yeah. So they can just go in and go, would you like me to call you instead of texting? Would you like me to text you instead of calling you? Would you just like me to send you a PDF? Like let them pick their journey. You're just there to, to just to do whatever the hell they want you to do. Yeah. That's what the future sales is supposed to be. You're just supposed to be a tour guide. So, I mean, there's a couple of questions in there. So I agree. We've always been shifting more that way because what, what is the old saying? 60, 70% of the buying process is now complete through just their own research. And that's typically when sales... Yeah, it's called the dark funnel. Yeah, the stuff that you we got can't it, track. Without a doubt. Things that we can't track. Whereas early in the days, I mean, they, it was only, it was mostly primarily salespeople that were able to educate you on a product. There was no internet. There was none of that accessible data. Yeah that you can lean on now. So there, we obviously see there is a shift in that direction, a substantial shift. Yeah, the way people buy is so different. Without a doubt. So my question is, as we've made that shift, I'm gonna tie this back to the ICP for the simple fact of, yeah. if I know Sam Capper, who's 40, I'm saying this out loud, who's 46 years old and old as dirt. That's not old. I'm the, 46 is the new 46, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the water is the new water. All right, got it. Or could you imagine Orange the New Black rebranding themselves as Orange is still the same orange? <laughs> so <laughs> if you try to communicate with me as an ICP, the primary channels you're going to communicate with me are is, on, is on phone and probably by LinkedIn. I very rarely reply back to an email. I just get inundated with them. Mm-hmm. But understanding that that's how my generation, that's how a Sam Capra, that, however you want to talk about it, that's how he communicates versus if my buyer is 24, 25, 26, a younger demographic, maybe it is okay. Because I do see these on LinkedIn. Hey, should you text message somebody cold? Should you FaceTime someone cold? I'm not saying those are the paths, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, do you have to start there and first saying, who is your demographic that you're actually going after? Now let's create a call plan, if you will. Yeah that speaks to that demographic. Is that a fair assessment or am I way off base? No, it, it makes total sense because sales likes to look at things from like a job title and a company size perspective and who holds the keys to the budget. And then lately it's like, okay, yes, we know the CEO or the VP of whatever is the person who signs the dotted line, but like 99% of softwares nowadays, that's not who's using the tool day to day. It's the people below them, right? So now sales teams are like, okay, we're going to go after the user, Right. But they think they solved the demographic problem because now like, oh, we're going to go lower on the totem pole. And yeah, fine. We'll have a longer sales cycle because we're building a bunch of champions. But I'm like, but that's, but once again, you're still still going after that lower level user in the hierarchy of the company, the same way they're going after the VP. It didn't work with them. And it sure as hell is it going to work with them down there either. 
So, you know, if you're already struggling to get the person who's like 50 at VP of marketing to pick up the phone, you're going to struggle times 10 getting the AE. They might not be as busy, for lack of a better word. I know a lot of AEs that are busier than VPs, but they don't like that. So now you've gone from distracting them to angering them. And I know millennials, we are known to be a very hard demographic to crack. We are very hard to, to make us loyal. And when we are loyal, we are ride or die loyal. And you can Google that. Gen Z is only that times 10. Yep. So you do not want to piss millennials off when it comes to your app on strategy. So if you, you have to look at, okay, the people who have this job title are typically of this demographic from a age perspective, from a lifestyle perspective, from a communication perspective. And almost every single slide deck I've ever seen just says what their ages are and what their genders typically are or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, but nothing about the why that matters. It just tells right. them these things. It doesn't tell salespeople, well, because the majority of this ICP is in their late 20s, you should talk to them this way in this channel through these things. And they care about these things. They just go, they're this age. Salespeople aren't marketers. They need you to connect the dots for them. And that's not an insult to salespeople. It's not sure. that they're stupid. But like, that's what you learn by being a marketer. Salespeople don't get the opportunity to learn that. So you need to give them that. And I bet you, if you gave them that, if you told a salesperson that all your 20-something-year-old ICPs you're trying to sell into are going to get pissed the minute you call them, yeah, I wouldn't be calling. I'd be looking for something else. And I would love to see what creativity comes out of the sales world when they get told, just so you know, here's a list of prospects and phone numbers that you're probably not even going to use. I would love to know what would happen to that salesperson because if they're really good at what they do, they'll, they'll come up with something. Yeah. What I love about that, and what you said, I mean, there are a lot of things that hit the nail on the head, but what really resonated with me is you're right. Because if you look at all the posts on LinkedIn, you look at all the, the gurus out there, it's a very blanket statement. You should do this. You should do that. Like It's a very blanketed, that's the way of doing it. Yeah, and you can blame the algorithm a little bit for that, by the way, too, because the algorithm does not reward non-blanket statements. <laughs> right, without a doubt. But the one thing I've learned, Evan, th through my time and of doing it mostly wrong, is that there is no such thing as a universal truth in sales. Like, what works for Evan now is not going to work for Sam tomorrow, because we're two different people. We have two different mindsets, two different personalities. So one blanket statement, typically, 99% of the time, will not work. If the right personality aligns, fantastic. Yeah. But I think that's where sales gets kind of ushered into this, what's the right terminology? This They want to clone their sales reps. Right, because it makes it easier to scale. And that's the new thing in sales. You've got to scale. And I hate that. No, you can't. You can't. Fuck scaling. When I worked at Reprise in its early days in March of last year, there was me and another BDR named Luke. Okay. And I love Luke, and I hope if he hears this, he understands how much I love him. I think he's an amazing salesperson. And he's really good. We are yin and yang. We have extremely different personalities. We have extremely different talents when it comes to sales dev and biz dev, right? Like the way we write is so different. The types of content that we create is so different. The way we talk on a call is so different. And Luke and I, we both share the same ideology. He and I both didn't like cold calling, but he was a bomb.com, end all, tell all, be all, great product specialist, great at answering those kind of questions. So like, like, like he's really good at like the handling the free trial product qualified leads. Product qualified leads are were his forte. And not a lot of SDRs are good at product qualified leads because it's it, now it's no longer sales in their head and then they panic. 
And then he's also really good at email prospecting. He's really good at research, really good at email prospecting. Also really good at getting leads off of like webinars, like community led qualified leads. He was really good at that. Like, you know, there's a first step in the funnel. He was good at like that second or like 1.5 step, right? He soared there. And that was super helpful. Me, on the other hand, I was really good at getting people into the product qualifying motion. I was good at getting people into the community-led motion. I was really good at email also, so we had overlap, but I was really good at social. I was really good at content for social media, right? So we figured, here's the best play. I'll spoon-feed people into to the funnel that you're good at pulling people out of that exists within this funnel. It's a funnel within a funnel here, right? I There's like six qualifying right. questions before they reach the AE. I can answer two right. to three with like a like you know some small talk and some light googling research, right? The event or the funnel or the trial, whatever that end goal for me is, will answer maybe question number four, and then Luke can answer questions number five and six. And I'm like, and then the AE will take it from there. People go, oh, well, that's too many steps, so that's too many different things going on, or I can't copy and paste Evan and Luke separately and have a bunch of pairs of Luke's and Evans running around. And I would say that they're wrong and they're right. It's not too many steps. It's just more steps than you're used to. And a lot of people don't want to get comfortable with the fact that going faster doesn't mean better. I would rather make the sales cycle take longer from an AE perspective, but make it more enjoyable and a higher close ratio for the prospect's perspective. That to me is a fair trade-off. The second thing is, you're playing your aces here. If, this is, if I'm really good at getting people excited and, and creating a bunch of noise, lean into that. If Luke is really good at being technical and product savvy and like breaking it down at that level for people and making something complicated seem simple, let him lean into that. Let people lean into what they're born to do. Literally, born, Luke was put on this earth for that. Yeah. And so I think that it, like, if you find another person who can do that, great. But if you don't find another person who do that, find out what you can do with them. It's, that's my issue. It's that you're trying to build this sales team of cogs in a machine. My other thing is people all go, what if I have a sales team of 100-something people? I don't care if I got five or 500. You can make this work at all of them. I've seen it happen, and, I, and it, that's the only way it's going to work. If you look at any company that's come and gone, it's the companies that do not lean into playing their aces. I think that's a great call. It's a good assessment for the simple fact that everyone does have natural abilities, right? I mean, even someone that is good at the phone versus someone that's better at social versus someone that's better at crafting an email. You all have certain strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Then you have good versus great. I'm good because I have to put an effort, but I know other people that like, it's like just like walking. It just comes naturally. So help me understand, help the audience understand, because we were talking about this offline as well, is to get there as a sales organization, to get there as a, screw the sales organization, Hey, I just want to be better as a salesperson. Yeah. We were talking about the solution. And one of the things that you mentioned is become better at equipping salespeople with marketing data. Like that's the one of the big things. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. So if I'm a salesperson and I want to say, okay, I want to lean into this, how do I start to do that as a salesperson? Yeah. And I think it's don't change too many things at once, right? You can't A B test a thousand things simultaneously. You'll never know what worked. And what I'm about to say is not going to work for every single business as everything in this podcast probably is not applicable to every single business. But start with what you currently have and benchmark that against what marketing knows. That's what my first step would be. So talk to the person who runs the ads on social media and go, hey, who typically goes through our ads? Who typically 
goes all the way to the last step in the buying process about talking to a person. Like, what is the demographic and ICP of a person that gets as far along the process as possible without a human being? That would be who I would prioritize and plug into my current sales process. I wouldn't even change my old school sales process. I would just start with making sure that my those lists that I have are the right lists. Right. Right. And I can guarantee you nine times out of 10, it's not the same people that marketing knows. Especially because they go, oh, what's well, demand gen people? But marketing goes, it's John from this company. It's this demand gen person. It, it's that specific. Like I want to know specifically by name in real time who is working with marketing's efforts very well. Because that's when you can speed up the slow part of this all. Like, okay, fine. You know, I'm a trender. We're not going to have outbound salespeople. That's fine. But if I wanted to have outbound salespeople, I would say, hey, guys, I have these ads going on and Joe Schmo has clicked on this ad six different times. You might want to like message him on Instagram because he clicked on the Instagram ad six times. So I know he's on Instagram. And or he's also in a cold calling group, by the way, too. So you might want to try that as plan B or plan A. I'll let you guys decide, right? But like, I'm giving you data that like I have as a marketer because I have social listening data. I have intent data. I have Google Analytics. Hey guys, we're getting a spike in traffic between this time and this time from this city or this time zone. You might want to change when you call people from your normal call block from two to four to the same time that I'm seeing them on the website. Oh, and by the way, they're coming from this specific list so you can use this one. Right. So it's all these little tiny nuanced things of data that can be shared back and forth. And I don't want it to be where sales has to wait for marketing to give it or they have to ask for it and marketing has to wait for turnaround because as a marketer, no offense, it's not a high priority for me because my pay and my bonus structure is not based on that. Right. So how do you solve that without changing my priorities or making them stay in the situation that they're in? Give them access to it. Like, like give them a login to the same software I have. Let them log in my Sprout social account. Let them log into my Google Analytics account. Let them see the same list that demand gen sees for email marketing. Let them see the results of it the same way the demand gen person does. And let them connect the dots themselves. Teach them how to connect the dots themselves. You don't need to know how to use the damn platform. They just need to know how to use the reports. Right. They just need to know how to read the reports. I can teach someone to sing a song in any language without teaching them the language. So it's the same thing. I can teach you how to read this report. I don't need, you don't even know how Sprout Social works to be a salesperson. I know that. You know that. But I can teach you how to read a report in it. Right. Without a doubt. Yeah. So there's a, those, I mean, you just gave a few, uh, but they were fantastic. So what I, I've never even thought of this by just this, there's two things that really jumped out at me. Like just understanding that someone is engaged with the brand six times, they've done it all six times through an Instagram. Mm-hmm. Going back to your original point, that asynchronous, like that's how, like that's where they live and breathe. Maybe that's yeah. where you should be communicating with them. Like maybe you should engage and understand who they are and actually, like that, that is so simple. I say simplistic, it's kind of table stakes, but it's just connecting the dot that they like to engage with our brand this way, but yet we've never engaged with them yeah. in that way. Hey guys, Google's not a customer, but 400 people from their sales team are interacting with our content. Somebody right. should probably say something to somebody over there. You know what I mean? Simple things like that. <laughs> and then I, I love the other piece of it where you were talking about, hey, we're seeing a spike in website traffic during these times. That might be a better time to call block specific. And there's the list that's actually we're tracking it back to that is actually spiking at this time. You talk about, that goes back to our original conversation, cold calling to your point, 
was never a lie. But warm calling, that, that's not even, yeah, that's different, right? That's kind of the thought process behind it. So there's so many nuances to it that if you just think it through, it's pretty, it's not rocket science. I mean, it's not like you're... It's common sense, right. um, in my opinion. You know, and if people are offended by that, good. Maybe you should switch right. careers. But, <laughs> but like, there's tools nowadays, like Service Bell, that are kind of like, they're going to give all those apps, like chatbots, those inbound things are running for their money because they're mixing outbound with inbound. Like, it's it's proactive video calling from the site from the same place you normally would have an inbound chatbot, right? It's so like, so yeah. you don't have to wait for the person to ask you, but you can go, hey, it looks like you might need some help. I used to be a salesperson at a furniture store before they went bankrupt called Art Van. And the and my boss used to hate me because it wasn't like car sales. That was how they got, you got taught to, to treat it like car sales, like from the 80s. Right. I never did that. Boss hated me because they'd be like, they go, hey guys, what do you want to buy? What are you looking for? And they go, I'm looking for mattresses. All right, they're over there. Wave me down if you need me. I might come and ask if you need any help, but like, let me know if you need anything. I'm just going to be over here. Or I give them my number because the store was huge. Literally, I would do that too. And they go, awesome, great, thanks. And I would, with an eye off to the side, like, see, like, you could just read someone's body language and they look confused, right? Right. Because they start looking around for you, right? Right. And sometimes just making small eye contact, they would flag me over. Or I would just come like, hey, not trying to push or anything, just asking, like, do you need some help? Or what do you like about this one? Because maybe there's a fun, it's better or more cost effective or whatever for you, right? Sure. It's that would be replacing the cold call. So in the case of software sales, it's like, oh, this person's clicking around our ads a lot. They're getting confused, which is a, is a green, like, the light's going on with a salesperson to come and make them less confused, right? Or there's, they're on our pricing page and service bells going, hey, this person's been active on your site for like five minutes clicking around a lot. You should probably do something dumbass. And then it tells the sales rep like, hey, let me call this person. That's not cold calling. That's having intentions that are set by the buyer, not by you. Right. Same thing I did at Art Van. Same thing I did in insurance. I looked for the people that were at networking events that hated insurance agents, or they hated their current insurance agent, or they hated how claims worked, or they hated how prices worked. And I would just go in and go, hey, I totally agree with you. Here's an anecdote of a story about why I know that I agree with you and how I know you'll understand it. And then they just start talking, they get to like you, and then they go, and by the way, I can help you do that. Here's how, and then done. Deal's closed. Right. It's let them tell you where to go. Don't tell them where they have to go. And that's what cold calling does. You're forcing them into a path that they didn't sign up for. Without a doubt. I think that's a great call out. I was just kind of thinking through everything we've been kind of discussing thus far. And even if you are suspect, even if you're like, listen, okay, Instagram, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, maybe that's the right way or not. If your ICP isn't on Instagram, then take what I said about Instagram and plug in a different platform. You know, yeah. Without a doubt. We'll throw out whatever the hell you want, LinkedIn, whatever. But in my thought process is, hey, nothing says we can't test it. I'd be like, hey, let's do, I mean, I'm just picking a broad number. Let's put 15, 20 people through this type of exercise of engaging because they've they've expressed interest via Instagram. They've come to us that way. Let's outreach that way. Let's communicate that way. Mm -hmm. And let's see the difference between what we're able to drive one way versus the other, let that be the deterrent. Like it's not a one site, but we've already said that three times. That does not mean that Instagram is the new way. It just means for that people, those people, that's how you should be communicating. Yeah. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is this allows for a lot of freedom for marketing to get more creative because now you're leaning on marketing to supply more leads this way and less on sales to source their own. 
which usually would imply you need to spend less dollars on sales and more on marketing, which is good because that money that you don't need on sales, you can now move over to marketing because you don't need to pay for prospecting anymore. And I just need to pay for marketing now to replace the prospecting, right? Yeah. And I'm a big believer, like, there's no reason why a B2B software brand can't sponsor a music festival. Why? Because who works at SAT software startups? Affluent millennials. What do affluent millennials do for fun? They go to nightclubs and music festivals and they play video games and they love virtual reality and insert movie, TV show, streaming app here. Get an ad on one of those things. You don't have to... Yeah, it's fine. You're selling business software. But I know what I do for a living when I log off still, right? Like, I went to a music festival and I literally saw... I think it was like a scheduling tool was at a music festival. And it was, and they were targeting sales development reps and salespeople and AEs. But they knew that who was there typically did that for a living. That, that's how they paid to afford to go to the event, right? So it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. I've told Betsy, I was like, if we get my boss at Trender, I'm like, if we get the budget to sponsor Cash Cash or Zed, I'm like, I'm going to get that Trender logo flashing behind them at Coachella. You know what I mean? Like, so it's simple things like that. Yeah. I feel free to get creative because now they're coming in going, oh, wow, that was so quirky and interesting. Now they want to know more about why. And then also that gives the salesperson some small talk room to work with too. So they can build rapport even faster as we all buy from people we like. So there's that, right? So it's all these different social um, psychological plays here that you can make of marketing that will fill in the gaps now that sales isn't doing as much prospecting or if any. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. We talked about this as well. So there's a couple of nuances. We were talking about the solution point of that portion of this. Like, hey, we know the problem. We haven't changed as a sales organization, as a sales path or profession and evolve. We want to be blanket, one size fits all. But then as we were talking about the solution being, hey, equip yourself with the marketing data. It's not revolutionary. It's just connecting one plus one and making it two. But then you also, we also discussed offline around prioritization, like being better at prioritizing. Talk to us a little bit about that, Evan, when you, as it relates to prioritizing. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of people that there's like the one call close is one of the issues that I have problems with comes to prioritization. You know, like you can't force the deal to go faster than it's going to go. Right. I can tell when someone's trying to create urgency. First of all, as a psychologist, you can't create urgency. I either give a shit or I don't. You can try to get me to care. Right. Right. But you can't create urgency. Whether I care and urgent is a me thing. That's not a you thing. And if you are somebody who has had urgency created with you, you've got some manipulation problems you should really unpack in therapy. But that's one thing. I'm like, we don't have to hurry it up. If the first call and conversation is just you shooting this shit and getting to know them and their wife or their kids or whatever, like, then let that be. Right. Because in your second call, then you might have the opportunity to bring it up. Slow it down. Make the priority the relationship, the dollars. If the, do- if the dollars will come, they will come. They will get there. Don't panic. Every good salesperson in the world knows relation first, dollar second. The second thing I've also noticed is like people are trying to push people through later in the funnel now. We're like, well, this random thing came up and, you know, like this project, this deadline, especially laying a startups, VC firm, what's this now and all those other things, right? And you're trying to get them to sign the deal faster. I'm just like, you're going to push them off. And I can tell you somebody, I purposely told my boss, like, let's not, I just want to, I will wait until after I know their quarter's over just to irritate them. You know, like, I have done that. And a lot of us know that now. So prioritizing the relationship, prioritizing, you know, the quality of the conversation, 
I also have an issue with like, why are we going after leads that do not interact with our content? Because the chance of them falling off the sales cycle is higher. So fine, I'm in the same stage with this prospect and this prospect. This one's engaging on social media. This one is not engaging on social media. This one, I can potentially make a bigger account because they care more about what we're doing more because they've shown me that in their behavior or they also care about solving their problem or both. The other person, I'm having trouble reading them. We've all been at that party or on that date where you can't understand the person you're talking to, like you haven't quite figured out their behavior. What do you do? You don't invest more energy into the person you're struggling to read. You invest more energy into the other person and you have to know when to quit. So trying to make the sale work, go fine. I'm not going to ghost them, but they're just not going to be a top priority. I'm going to go find another person, thanks to marketing, who is engaging with our content. Right. I think that's a good call because it always translates to me is you got to be smart with your time. Where do you keep fishing? Where do you cut bait? You, I think it's just as important to know who not to talk to as it is who to talk to, right? Yeah, knowing what not to do is so important. They tell you all the time in career training and stuff at Advice nowadays, like know what you don't want to do for a living or know what you're never going to be good at, which is also not an insult. There are things that right. all of us you know, have. Without a doubt. So why is it taboo to tell salespeople to know what sales you're just not going to get? Well, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Evan, I think we covered everything and then some. I think we know, know everything about cold calling and everything we don't want to know about cold calling. I think there's a good point. There's a few things I love how I do 100%. And this is something that's come later in my career that you know leveraging marketing more efficiently, and I still am not great about it, but just these little nuances that even you've walked through that seem very transparent, very easy to connect the dots with, like those are the nuances that separate you from the pack. Like leveraging that makes life easier, makes you more efficient, makes you more effective. That doesn't mean not to pick up a phone, not to send an email. It's just, is that the best way to drive yeah. to the end zone, if that makes sense? Not everyone has to be a mini content marketer, right? Like, yeah, the, a lot of sales devs and AEs are, they make great content on LinkedIn or whatever platform they're on, right? But that doesn't, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. Be, instead of being the best content creator on your sales team, be the best you know, marketing data person on your sales team. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. So, hey, man, how do people get to know more about you? I know you're all over LinkedIn <laughs> and I know you're a bunch of different things, but how do people get to know more about you, maybe connect with you and things of that nature? Yeah, so I am on LinkedIn, Evan Patterson. I am on Instagram at Evan Patterson Insta. I am on Twitter at Evan M, as in Michael, so Evan M Patterson. And I am on TikTok as Evangelist Patterson. I also have a link tree in case I spoke too fast there for a link tree forward slash Evan Patterson. And you can find all of my you know, former podcasts that I've been on episodes. This one will be posted on my link tree and on my LinkedIn profile. And yeah, I just don't come follow me and my awfully dark sense of humor and <laughs> my non-discriminatory way of hating every single person on this planet, <laughs> including myself. I can't speak to the lot. No, <laughs> no, I, lo- I love about. I love most people, honestly. <laughs> We're going to have all those links in our show notes, so don't worry about that component. Evan, sincerely appreciate you coming on. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks again. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sales Samurai Podcast with your host, Sam Capra. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast and visit salessamurai.io and join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content.